0: If you use the Pew Bible, it's found in 722, page 722, and uh, I encourage you to find your place there and follow along as I read. Ezekiel chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you, do not, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with fierce and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered about because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths and they may not, be food for the, may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock and when he's among his sheep, that have been scattered so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of cloud and thick darkness and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the, on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and all the inhabited places of the country I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land Thank you, Tony.
1: I want to invite you to open your Bibles now to Isaiah chapter 56, uh, verses 9 through 12 is our sermon text for today. Uh, As we have been working our way through Isaiah, we have seen again and again God make some very bold promises uh, one, one such bold promise uh, we talked about last week found in chapter 56 verses 1 through 8 is that for, for those who have been given the free gift of God's salvation through the suffering servant, they, they will be changed. They will begin to keep justice and do righteousness. That's a dramatic change that knowing the suffering servant will bring about. It, again, is a, a quite a bold promise when you really understand how grave man's sin problem really is. We've even learned that those once excluded from Israel under the Old Covenant, such as eunuchs and foreigners, could become faithful covenant members in the New Covenant. So that, that is good news. Um, lives through the suffering servant, will be genuinely changed than covenant members would, would be from all of the nations on the face of the earth. That's good news. We like good news. But today, beginning in chapter 56, verse 9, we hear some bad news. Now, in one sense, it seems... When you think about this bad news, it seems to dampen the spirit of those anticipating the fulfillment of some of God's great promises. Um, In in many ways, our sermon text for today and next week seem to be kind of out of place. Uh, In in a section of Scripture with so much good news, we we learn today about the utter failure of Israel's leaders. That's why we read a complimentary passage in Ezekiel 34. N- Next week, we'll learn that it's not just the leaders, but there are, in fact, many people who have been influenced by them who will end up making idols their refuge instead of the true and living God. So, what, why is that? What, what is the Spirit of God doing in giving us this passage at this very point of the story, in this larger section of Scripture that is brimming with joy and hope because of the promised work of the Lord's perfect servant and the suffering servant, we, we hear the sad reality of leaders who have failed miserably. Why is that? How do we make sense of that? Well, I think that the very best explanation for this is this, that God wants us to put our ultimate hope in Him, not man. Our our tendency is to put gifted leaders on a pedestal. Today, we have this dangerous tendency to be enamored by celebrity pastors there are, in fact, so many good resources online, so, so many good resources that are available, and we, we can all benefit from that. But the danger is when people begin believing something just because a popular teacher said it. Um, even pastors who are especially gifted to teach and preach the Bible And they're committed to sound exposition of the Word. And they do that faithfully for God's glory. Even those those people can sometimes have a crowd of people, uh, often with no fault of the teacher, but a crowd of people who will follow and believe something just because the teacher said it and not because the Bible teaches it. I can remember one sermon I heard a number of years ago where a very popular, well-known, esteemed pastor was so emphatically appealing to the people, saying, don't believe it because I said it. Believe it because you're convinced the Bible has taught that. In our sermon text for today and for next week, Isaiah speaks to a time... When there is, in fact, great joy and hope, but also at the very same time, there's much sorrow and grief. Both of those things. The the Gospel is, in fact, at work in powerful ways, but we also know that sin is still present. Certainly, we eagerly look forward to our time on the new heavens and the new earth when Every tear will be wiped away completely. Always. There will no longer be sorrow or sickness or death. But in this age, as we wait for the age to come, there will be joy and sorrow. And in this age, it's important to know and believe that God will never let us down. Sinful man and let us down but God will never let us down so this passage I believe is an appeal for us to put our ultimate hope in God and not man now that doesn't mean that we won't benefit from how God has gifted leaders Uh, God intends for leaders to serve others in ways that are for their edification and for the building up of the church um, most of you know that I love Dave Durnlin. Shelley and I have benefited from the life of Dave and the ministry of Dave Durnlin, in our years in, in our lives oh, over the years. Um, we really think of Dave as our pastor, and it's been that way for 36 years. I, I've certainly learned an awful lot from him. Um, even traveling with him to Romania, one of my highlights is just watching him. Uh, just being with him and learning so much about how he teaches and how he interacts with people, it, it's been a great benefit, a great benefit to me. But I know that he's a man and not God. And my ultimate hope has to be in God, not Dave Dernland. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. With that being said, Listen to what the Lord says about Israel's leaders in Isaiah 56, verses 9 through 12. And I quote, "...all you beasts of the field come to devour, all you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind, they are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs, they cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber." The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough. But they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way and each to his own gain. One and all. Come, they say. Let me get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink and tomorrow will be like this day. Great beyond measure. End of quote. The first thing that we see here in verse 9 is this, that when leaders fail, people suffer. The the topic of these four verses is the failure of Israel's leaders. And because of that, in verse 9, we hear how the Lord invites the beasts of the field and beasts of the forest to come and devour. Um, the, The Lord gives this invitation, not Not to a literal beast such as a lion or a bear, but to Israel's enemies to come and harass God's people. And the Lord does this because of the failure of the leaders. When leaders fail, people suffer. We we see that all the way through the Old Testament. Again and again, as the king goes, so do the people. So when a king... Uh, ruled with justice and righteousness, the people benefited. When the king did evil in the eyes of the Lord, the people suffered. Um, our Sunday school study in second chronicles over the last number of months has demonstrated that. A, a king who turned away from the Lord and did evil in would lead directly to the nation being defeated by an enemy nation with many people losing their lives. All of this pointed to the need for a faithful leader. But why why do leaders fail? Well, when leaders fail, character is normally to blame. Failure seldom comes from a gift set. Uh, Normally, it's because of bad character. Moral failure. The, The New Testament gives us several lists of qualifications for elders in the church. And for an elder, he must be apt to teach. And that's the only gift set that is really needed. All of the rest of the qualifications have to do with character. And so today in the church, um, far too often, that very practice gets turned upside down. People get enamored by gifts and abilities and excuse bad character. Far too often, bad character is overlooked because the speaking and teaching gifts are so dynamic. Sometimes churches put businessmen in positions of spiritual leadership because they're wealthy and they've had great success in the business world without really examining their character and their doctrine. Now, obviously, it's possible for a successful businessman to be filled with godly character and sound doctrine, but character and sound doctrine have to be the thing that's examined before appointing someone to be an elder. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. So, elders must learn to pay attention to what is happening in their own hearts and in their doctrine, what they believe and what they teach. And if elders do this honestly and with humility, we will see things in our lives that must change. And so we must be in the habit of repenting and changing and growing. This is the work that the Holy Spirit has been given to do in our lives. The Holy Spirit, we must as leaders, must be in step with the, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because character matters. And the character and the doctrine of an elder will have an impact on those that they're called to shepherd. In, in verse 9, we read how the Lord invited the beast to devour the nation. But but why? What, what was the problem? Uh, it was failed leadership. But what specifically were the issues of those leaders? Well, in verses 10 through 11, we learn a number of things. First, we learn that they are watchmen. Uh, like watchmen of a city, they must take their post to protect the city. They were to be the first to spot danger or special envoys as they approached the city. Uh, They they would then alert the city and prepare the city. The the city, in fact, would become very vulnerable to attack if the watchmen were not faithful in their post. Uh, Here in verses 10 and 11, the Lord speaks of the leaders of Israel as watchmen, but tragically, there are a number of ways in which they failed as watchmen. One of the ways they failed is that they were watchmen who were blind. It's not that they wanted to see, but couldn't. They, they were not even attempting to watch. They were not attentive to problems and dangers and enemies. They made no attempt to perceive the situation. They, they were watchmen, but they really didn't want to function as watchmen. They had the responsibility to be attentive. They were to be in, but they were, in fact, engulfed with their own selfish interests if if you serve a body of people as a watchman that weight of responsibility takes precedence over your own pursuit of self-centered pursuits leaders can't be attentive to spiritual concerns if their heart is given to worldly pursuits a leader in the church today must be willing to ask what What does God want me to see? What does God want me to watch for? What does God uh, want me to be attentive to? Their concern is being faithful as a steward to what God has charged them with. So a leader in the church today feels the weight of being faithful to what God wants for their role as watchmen. Isaiah also tells us that the Lord was displeased with Israel's watchmen because they were men who lacked knowledge. The condition of their hearts could not tell the difference between good and evil. They were blinded by their own sin. They didn't have knowledge because they didn't fear the Lord. As Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So if you don't live with a reverential awe of God. You will not know what is important in life. Your, your worldview will be deficient if you don't first fear God. You, you come to, you'll come to conclusions about yourself and your, the circumstances that are in your life and the world that you live in that will always be skewed if what God thinks and says so clearly in his word isn't at the very center of your mind and heart and life. So th- think about the world that we that we uh, about what we see in our, our world today. If, if a leader doesn't fear God and if their worldview isn't informed with biblical truth, it should not be surprising if they attempt to legitimize all sorts of wrong things. It should not be a surprise if they legitimize things like the worship of creation rather than the Creator. It's no wonder leaders today embrace abortion, homosexuality, being transgender, whatever it might be. The sad reality is is that these things are not just in secular government anymore we also see them in the church today why because people don't first fear god the fear of the lord is what produces knowledge where you can discern between good and evil here in isaiah the lord exposes the problem of failed leadership they're blind they lack knowledge These watchmen are also men who are silent watchdogs. Verse 10 says they are silent dogs. They cannot bark. In essence, they're worthless dogs. Now, in the U.S., um, I know most, not, not all, but most dog owners like the added protection of having a dog in the house. But sometimes when I visit... Um, someone's home, people will say, well, you really don't have to worry about my dog because if an intruder comes in, he'd rather just lick you rather than bite you. It's like there, There's nothing to fear with this dog. Now, when I visit Romania or the times that we have been in Brazil, I've seen something very, very different than that, than what I see here in the States. Um, dogs in Romania and Brazil have a very distinct purpose. Um, In Romania and Brazil, dogs don't curl up with you on your bed at night. They wouldn't sleep on your couch. They sleep outside, within a fenced-in yard, sometimes on a chain, but always watching for intruders. And if the dog doesn't bark when an intruder comes in, you know what happens to that dog? They get rid of that dog. And they get a dog that will bark. That will alert them of an intruder. So a barking dog becomes an invaluable asset to alert the homeowner of danger or an unwelcomed intruder. So the the picture of the failed leaders here in Israel is not good. They're blind. They aren't paying attention. They lack knowledge. That is, they can't tell the difference between good and evil. And worse yet, even if they see something wrong, they don't do anything about it. They don't bark. It's, it's one thing to not see a problem. It's another thing to read a, misread a situation. But it's altogether worse if you see the problem And you don't do anything about it. That's a silent watchdog, a worthless dog. Why why do they do nothing even if they see a problem? Verse 10 also says that they are watchmen who are lazy, they are dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. They have their heads in the cloud, detached from reality. (laughs) They are not up, they're not active, they're not attentive, they love to sleep, they're lazy. I mean, it's hard work to be a leader. It takes discipline, diligent work. You have to die to self to serve others well. But if you're lazy, you like to be comfortable. You like to dream about big things, but you're not willing to do the necessary work to get it done. Verse 11 also says that these watchmen are greedy. Verse 11 begins by saying the dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough. It's it's interesting. In Brazil, the Ethnos 360 headquarters in Manaus Has a stone fence all around its property I think it's probably six or seven feet tall and on the top of that stone wall they have embedded in the concrete broken pieces of sharp glass and on the inside of that fence they have at least one or more watchdogs roaming the property his job is to guard the property And so this, in fact, seems like a pretty secure setup. And incidentally, they intentionally feed the dog well. But you know what the thieves have learned to do? It's really kind of fascinating. They they will use a, a ladder or something to stand on to get up on top of the fence. They get the attention of that dog. But then they throw that dog a couple of big juicy steaks. And when that happens, the dogs stop barking, and they sit down, and they begin to eat that fresh meat, and then the thieves proceed to have free reign of the property. Now, that's not a made-up story. That actually happened there in Manaus at the headquarters for Ethnos 360. That's a picture of leaders who neglect their God-given duty because they're greedy for more of what the world has to offer. Or greedy to pursue more of what their sinful flesh craves, rather than staying focused and diligent on doing what God wants them to do. They are worthless watchmen who miss dangers from coming outside of the community. But in verse 11, we're also told that they are shepherds. Not not only are they watching danger from outside, they are neglecting the care for those inside the covenant community. They are shepherds who have no understanding. In in other words, they don't know the people that they're supposed to shepherd. I I think of the verse in 1 Peter 3.7 where we're told that husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding way. So, a husband must work hard to know his wife. He he must work hard to know their fears and joys and dreams and struggles and strengths and weaknesses and so forth. He's charged with this responsibility to know his wife so that he can care for her in a knowledgeable way. Shepherds who don't know the true condition of the sheep can't be used of God to help the sheep. If a sheep is injured or caught in a thicket and the shepherd doesn't know it, that sheep will remain injured and vulnerable. Good shepherds will live with their sheep in knowledgeable ways, knowing their needs and meeting their needs. But in verse 11, we're told that these failed sh- Shepherds have no understanding, and they are shepherds who are driven by self-interest. Um, the, the last part of verse 11 says, they have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Earlier, T- Tony read from Ezekiel 34. Let, let me read verses 2 through 5 again. We, we have here a very sobering description of shepherds driven by self-interest ezekiel 34 beginning with verse 2 son of man prophesy against the shepherds of israel prophesy and say to them even to the shepherds thus says the lord god ah shepherds of israel who have been feeding yourselves should not shepherds feed the sheep you eat the fat you clothe yourselves with the wool you slaughter the fat ones but you don't feed the sheep They were active pursuing self-interest, self-serving interest. They, They failed to serve others for the sake of Christ. And verse 12 teaches that when leaders fail, others will follow. Verse 12 says, Come, they say, let me get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow will be like this day. Great. Beyond measure. So, these self-serving shepherds who are oblivious to the real needs of the sheep are influencing people to other people to do the same even though the, the leaders are not doing the very thing god wants them to do they tell everyone that everything is going to be just fine come let's get drunk and life will be good they're they're not listening to god they're not Keeping the covenant, they're not teaching others to love God and love others. instead they drown the sor- their sorrows in strong drinks, saying all the while, our problems will go away, life will be better tomorrow, but it's all a lie. Failed leaders influencing others to follow their bad example This is not a good picture God is made some bold and beautiful promises to his people, but here we learn that there are leaders who have failed miserably. John Oswald says of these failed watchmen and shepherds, and I quote, "...they are simply unaware. They do not understand the critical nature of their task, and they do not know the desperate nature of the times. They do not know the nature of their people." They do not know their own failings. And so I ask, where where do we find hope? Well, thankfully, there is one leader who has never failed. (laughs) And we know that leader is Jesus. And in your notes, I have listed a number of passages of Scripture, Matthew chapter four, verses 1 through 11, is one of them, where we learn about how the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan and Satan threw his best shots at Jesus. And Jesus responded perfectly well. He submitted to his Father's will. He depended upon the word of God. And he was obedient to his father no matter what Satan threw his way. And that's a picture of what he would experience throughout his life and his ministry. And so that when he went to the cross, he went there as the righteous, spotless, sinless Lamb of God. And he died not for his sins, but for ours. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, we learn that Jesus is the faithful priest who faced all of the same kind of things that we face and yet was without sin. And because of that, He would cleanse us of our sin with His sinless blood, making a way for us to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. It's Jesus that will help us in our time of need. In Matthew 26, verse 39, Jesus on the night when He was betrayed, when He was considering the cost He would pay, when He would go to the cross and willingly lay down His life, He prayed, Father... Not my will, but your will be done. In John chapter 10, verses 10 through 18, it's a beautiful passage where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. That's the good shepherd that pursues the lost sheep, who brings back the lost sheep, who cares for the sheep and lays down his life for the sheep. In Philippians 2, 1-11, we learn about how Jesus came to the earth and He took the form of a certain servant and even died in our place and now has been given a name above all names. Revelation 5-12, we've talked about a couple of times this morning, it says, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is Jesus, who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." He's not a failed leader. He's the one leader who has been faithful. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, tells us that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. That's That's a picture of His life. The Son of God came to this earth not to be served. He deserved that, but He didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. We, we have hope today because Jesus is the one leader who has never failed. He perfectly completed the work that was given to Him by His Father in Heaven. And, and today, you and I can trust Jesus completely all the time. He, he and He alone will never fail disappoint. He will never let you down. He is one leader who has never failed. He is faithful. And so today, in the church, leaders who follow Jesus can, in fact, influence others to do the same. Leaders, elders, who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, who live by faith in Jesus Christ alone, who Are in the habit of repenting of their own personal sin, who are committed to obeying Jesus and following Jesus, and who are in fact being progressively transformed by the Holy Spirit, they are the ones who are in position to influence others to do the same. Under shepherds are not the standard, the good shepherd is. The chief shepherd, Jesus, is the one that we all follow. In in Hebrews 13, 7, we read this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. What's interesting about that verse is that it doesn't say imitate their lives, it says imitate their faith. That means that You too are called to live by faith in Jesus, to be in the habit of repenting, to be committed to obeying Christ and following Christ, and to be progressively sanctified and transformed by the Holy Spirit in an ever-increasing way for the glory of God. This this text, um, sometimes when you work through a text, it's, it's easy to preach. This is a hard text to preach because I've been standing in front of the mirror all week. This is a text that's very convicting. And as we close this morning, I, I just want to say to you as a congregation, pray, pray for us as elders. Pray for me. Pray for Tony and Andrew and Tim. Um, pray that we would be faithful watchmen and faithful shepherds that we would live with knowledge and understanding, that we would know you, uh, we would care for you the way that Christ would want us to know you and care for you. Pray that we can feed you well, that we can protect you, that we can lead you in following after Christ. If If we do our job well, if we're faithful in what God wants us to do, we want to teach you to put your hope in Jesus Christ. Not, not in us. Don't follow us. This isn't our church. This isn't our kingdom. This is Christ's church. It's His kingdom. We're, we're all here together as sinners redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus in the process of being transformed with a role to, to serve the body as the Spirit has called us to. But pray, pray for us that we would be humble, that we would be faithful, and that we would be men who would point you clearly to Jesus, to put your hope in Jesus and in Him alone. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful That in your love and mercy and grace, you have sent your very own son to be the good shepherd. To be the chief shepherd. To be the faithful shepherd. The one leader who has never failed. And Father, we're thankful for the work that the, the good shepherd did to lay down his life to redeem us. And we're thankful for the Good Shepherd who speaks truth into our life. The Good Shepherd who is at work to transform us and to produce in us the very character of Christ so that we would, in ever-increasing ways, bring glory to Your name. Father, we have hope today because of the Good Shepherd. What You have accomplished for us through Your Son, the Good Shepherd. And I pray that all of us would look clearly to Jesus and put our eyes upon Him and see in Him the One who is dependable always, one that can be trusted, one that we all want to follow. And I pray, Father, that You would help me, help Tony and Andrew and Tim to be humble servants of the good shepherd, and to function in the role that you have called us to so that we can lead this body to follow Christ, that we can feed this body with the good news of the gospel so that we can protect this body from false doctrine that would diminish the glory of the gospel and that, Father, we can be a people that would that we can be leaders that would encourage each one to follow Jesus first and foremost in our lives. So, Father, do this work in us, we pray. Um, Help us to grow together, to learn together, to follow Jesus together. Uh, The the one who alone is worthy. So, Father, we want to thank you even now for the way that you are at work and the way that you will continue to work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us as we sing our closing song.
2: O great God of highest occupy my holy heart, Oh, it all and reign supreme, conquer every rebel of Let no vice, no sin remain, that resists
0: Of highest
2: glorify your name
3: through me. If you are not in the practice of being here on Wednesday nights, I encourage you to, to come. Uh, we have kids club going on now 4K through 6th grade. Bring your kids, bring other kids. Uh, we are having a good time also uh, youth group is is uh, also happening 7th grade through 12th grade and then the adults meeting here for prayer meeting. so so come make it a, a habit to be here on Wednesday nights as well um, Also, October 4th. There's a, a men's event um, to encourage and celebrate the uh, Upcoming marriage of Anthony. There's a sign-up sheet on the, re- the round table in the back. So so men um, Consider that and sign up um, Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for um, this time that we've had to worship you. You alone are are worthy to be praised. Um, we just thank you for your word, how it uh, doesn't pull any punches. It's clear, it's um, devastating in times. And I, as I read and, and listened today, I, I just... Father, forgive me for the ways that I have failed in my leadership at home, my business here at this church. And Lord, I pray that um, we would just all be looking to you and just follow you, King Jesus, to to help us in each and every area of our life, that we would just uh, um, glorify you and that we would um, just uh, be faithful to what you have called us to. Now is a, a word of benediction Romans 15:13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope You are dismissed I everybody to fellowship outside
1: hey, of so
2: Oh